Luke chapter 1, I'm going to start reading in verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would open our hearts for your word today. Speak to us directly, Lord, and challenge us to change our lives and to live for you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I can say this, when Jesus was born that first Christmas, nobody expected it. It was totally unplanned. In fact, it messed up a lot of people's plans. It messed up King Herod's plans because he wanted to be king of the Jews and here's this coming Messiah. It messed up the shepherds' plans. All they wanted to do was spend a quiet night in the fields with their flocks. It messed up the religious leaders' plans because they were expecting a political Messiah to come and free them from Roman captivity. But instead, they got Jesus who came along and said stuff like this, Turn the other cheek. Go the second mile. Love your enemies. And they were all saying, Wait a minute, Jesus. That's not what we wanted. It messed up their plans. It messed up the innkeeper's plan. He ran out of space, wished he had a bigger hotel. But most of all, it messed up Mary and Joseph's plans. Mary and Joseph were just a young couple, barely teenagers, and all they wanted to do is get married, settle down, and have baby Mary's and Joseph's. In their wedding preparation during their engagement period, all of a sudden, God sends an angel down and says, I'm going to change your plans just a little bit. And here's what the angel said to Mary and Joseph. Mary, three things are going to happen to you. Number one, you're going to get pregnant before your wedding. Number two, it's not going to be Joseph who is the father. This is going to be a virgin birth. It's going to be a miracle. It's going to be something like has never happened before or after. And number three, by the way, that baby that's going to grow inside of you is God's son. <laughs> now, that messed up their plans just a little bit, don't you think? Huh? Uh, they weren't expecting that to happen at all. But you know what? Here's what I figured out in life. Things don't always go like we plan them. Are you with me? Now, my big amener today, Ronnie Fox is not here. Somebody's going to have to fill in and help me out. All right? Things don't always go like we plan them. Amen. Fact is, a lot of my plans get messed up because I mess them up. Hmm? My own stupidity messes up my plans a whole lot of times. And, and I think we're all very well acquainted with the fact that other people can mess up your plans. 
that ever happened to you? How about this past week? Huh? You bet, it can happen. But you know what? Sometimes God providentially and sometimes God sovereignly changes circumstances around because He's got a better plan in mind for us than the plan that we had. And that's exactly what happened at Christmas time about 2,000 years ago. So what do you do when God messes up your plans? Those situations that are just totally out of your control. And you know what? It happens. It happens to all of us. If it hasn't happened to you yet, hang on, because it will happen. When God messes up your plans, what do you do? Well, the Bible says there are two things we need to remember when God messes up our plans. Number one, when God messes up your plans, He's trying to get your attention. In Mary and Joseph's case, the plan was so fantastic and so unbelievable, so once in history kind of an event, that God had to use supernatural means to convince them that it was going to happen. And so in their case, he sent an angel who said, you're going to have a baby. He's going to be the Messiah of the world, Jesus Christ. I'm God. I am going to come in human form, and we're going to split history into A.D. and B.C. And it's going to be awesome. I have a preacher friend. I asked the other day, what are you preaching on Sunday? He told me and asked me what I was preaching. I kind of told him. He said, you know, that's interesting. He says, I, I wish that every time God messed up my plans, he would send me an angel <laughs> to explain it and tell me why. And I got to thinking about that. You know what? That'd be great. But really, in reality, we don't need an angel in order to hear God. We don't need him to send angels to us. All we've got to do is just listen to him. Because God is constantly talking to us, constantly communicating with his children. It, all we have to do is listen. I don't need an angel. Fact of the matter, I've never seen an angel. Except that one. Isn't that sweet? Ka-ching, ka-ching. I get three brownie points for that. I've never heard an angel. I don't need an angel. Why? Because I can listen to God whenever I want to. I can hear God all the time. He speaks to us all the time through his word, by prayer, through impressions. My lens, I am a child of God. That means the Holy Spirit of God is living inside of me. I don't need an angel. All I have to do is open my ears. God says, I just want you to listen to me. But the problem is, when it comes to listening to God, a lot of us have ADD, attention deficit disorder. We put God on call waiting, on hold. We're so busy listening to the world and the things of the world, whether it be the radio or TV or other people or ourselves, we don't have time to listen to God. So sometimes God has to rearrange our plans and say, wake up. Let me get your attention. God speaks to us in our pleasures, but sometimes God shouts to us in our pain and problems. And maybe God has been shouting at you. In Psalms 81, 13, God says, Oh, that my people would listen to me. I think that's huge for God to say something like that. Oh, that my people would just open their ears and listen to me. 
Why does God want you to give your attention to Him? Because it's going to spare you a whole lot of pain and a lot of problems in your life if you do. We get ourselves into trouble when we don't follow what God tells us to do. He's saying, oh, if my people would just listen to me. I've got a plan for their life and it's a great plan. Why don't you just listen to me? Proverbs 16, 25 says, there is a path that seems right unto man. But the end of that path is nothing but death. A lot of things in life look like they are the right thing to do. But you know what? When you get to the end of it, it's just a dead end. It turns into a disaster. Have you ever done anything in life, made a decision, and you thought to yourself, you know, this is a guaranteed, this is a surefire success, and then when it actually comes to pass, it was an unmitigated failure. Sure, we've all had plans that just didn't go the way we intended them to go. Why is that? Well, it's because you don't know the future, do you? Neither do I. Because we don't know the future, we don't know how things are going to turn out in spite of the plans we have made. That's why God says, I want you to listen to me. That's because God knows the future. Hey, God knows what's around the corner, man. He can see the problems. He can see the detours. He can see the roadblocks that are coming up. And if you just listen to him, you're going to avoid a whole lot of pain in your life. In the Bible, there are numerous times when God says, if you do these things, these things that I'm telling you to do over here, if you will do these things, you will be successful, you will be satisfied, you will find meaning in life, and life is going to be a whole lot easier. All you have to do are the things I'm telling you to do. But on the other hand, if you decide to do these other things over here, it's going to cause all kinds of problems in your life. There are going to be miseries and guilt and resentment and broken relationships. It's going to cause anger and worry and bitterness and all kinds of problems. But you've got a choice. God says, I gave you a free, free will. You wonder why we're free will Baptists? That's pretty much it right there. God's given us a free will. We get to choose his way or the world's way. When he asks us to do what is right and and, and, and what we know it's, it's right to do it. It's not because God is some kind of ogre or some kind of cosmic cop in the sky. It, it's not because God is some kind of bully up in heaven making up new rules every day. No, when he tells us to do something or not to do something, it's because he loves us. And he cares about us. It's just like that mama who tells her, her child, don't touch that stove. It's hot, don't touch it. She's not doing that because she's some kind of tyrant. She's doing it out of love. So God says, I want you to give me your attention. I can make your life a whole lot better, a whole lot easier. There is a way that seems right unto a man, but it just leads to death. God says, if you listen to me, I'm going to help you out. You know what? Sometimes God has to mess up our plans, mess up our circumstances to get our attention. But he does more than that. Number two, when God messes up your plans, he's saying, I've got a better plan. Hey, that's good. 
When he messes up your plans, it's because he's got a better plan. The Bible says very clearly that every person on planet earth was made for a reason. You were made by God for a purpose. God has a reason for you to be here. He designed you uniquely. He has a reason for you being on planet earth. And part of our life's mission and plan is to figure out why God made us and why he put us here and then to live that out, to flesh out his good, acceptable, and perfect will. And you know what? I read this story and I can't help but say Mary is a perfect example of this. There was nothing special about Mary. She was just an ordinary teenage girl. She didn't have any pedigree. She didn't have a great education. She wasn't wealthy. She wasn't from the rich side. She was just an ordinary girl that had a heart for God. That's the kind of people God is looking for. Ordinary people. And he said to Mary, you know what, Mary? I've got something big for you. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11 says it like this. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord God. I have good plans for you, plans not to hurt you. I will give you hope and I will give you a good future. God said, my plan for your life is a good plan. I think a lot of people think, you know, if I really give my life to God, if I really give Him everything and hold nothing back, if I give Him 100% and I start following Jesus Christ, He's going to make my life miserable. I'll never have any more fun. There'll be no more partying. There'll be total boredom. But God says, no, you don't understand. I made you. I love you. And I designed you for a specific purpose on earth. And the only way you're going to have satisfaction and true joy is when you do what I made you to do. Let me tell you something about God's plan for your life. Okay, Here's, here's something you need to know about God's plan for your life. Number one. God's plan for your life is always bigger than your plan for your life. That's because God's got a bigger perspective. Mary and Joseph just wanted to get married, live in a little house, have little babies, own a carpenter's shop, and live out their life. They just wanted to be happy, have their little family, do their little thing. But God said, you know what? I'm going to do something bigger through you than that. I'm going to use you to bless the whole world. Now that's bigger than their plan. I'm going to use you, Mary, in the next link to bring about salvation for the whole world. That's a huge plan. If you don't get anything else I say this morning, would you get this? God made you for a purpose. God made you for a reason. And you have no idea how much God wants to do through you. How much he could do through you if you just get totally committed to his perfect plan for your life. If you understand his will is good, acceptable, and perfect, and you get in that will instead of your own will, God can do some great things for you. And I guarantee you, God's plan for your life is a whole lot bigger than your plan for your life. Number two, God's plan for your life is harder than your plan for your life. That's kind of a bummer. I was building you up, now I'm letting you down. God's plan is harder than your plan. That's why so many people cop out on God. 
You see, it's our way to take the easy way out. It's our way just to kind of slide through life, to take the course of least resistance. God says, I'm not saying it's going to be easy. In fact, if you do my will my way, it's going to be harder. Why? Well, I think I can tell you why. God is more interested in your character than he is in your comfort. He wants you to grow up. He wants you to mature. He wants you to be a person of character and integrity and to take responsibility. He is in no way going to take all the problems out of your life. God's way is a harder way, but I guarantee you it is a better way because it's going to make you a better person. It's going to build character into your life. You know what? If you had all the problems removed out of your life, you would be nothing more than a spoiled brat. You know it? If you got your way at everything, you would be absolutely worthless. Nobody could be around you or live with you. So God says, you know what? My way's harder, but it's better. When Mary and Joseph said, okay, God, we're going to cooperate with your plan. We're, we're going to let you use us. Use us, Lord. Do you think that was easy? I mean, think back to this story. Was it easy for Mary to say, okay, God, I will be an unwed mother? Was that easy? No. Can you imagine the gossip around Nazareth? Can you imagine all those old church ladies spreading prayer requests like they do? And my lands, I'm meddling now, I know, but it's just there, so i got to do it. And who's going to believe her story anyway? Oh, this, this, no, this is not Joseph's baby. This is God's baby. I'm, I'm carrying God's son. <laughs> Would you believe that? And then at the end of Mary's pregnancy, just a couple of weeks before she is delivered, when most women, I suppose, just want to lay down, she had to get on the back of a donkey and ride from Nazareth to Bethlehem. I don't know because I've never been pregnant, but I don't think that'd be any fun. Come on, ladies, would it? Absolutely not. Then when she got there, she had to deliver her firstborn child. Other family members around except her husband by herself in a strange city. And she gave birth in a stable with cows watching. God's plan is harder. And it's bigger. And it's a whole lot better. Number three, God's plan for your life is more rewarding than your plan. The Bible says no one has ever seen, heard, or even imagined what wonderful things God has in store for those who love Him. Praise the Lord, man. Isn't that good news? You see, when you cooperate with God's plan and God's purpose for your life, there are two amazing benefits that come along with it. Number one, significance. And number two, satisfaction. I mean, the two things that really everybody in the world is looking for. 
Nothing else can replace these two things, significance and satisfaction. Because once you discover God's good, acceptable, and perfect will for your life, and you begin living that and fleshing that out, you go, oh, wow, this is it. This is what I was made for. I have found my niche. I have found my purpose. I'm not just here to take up space and breathe air and use resources. You find significance and satisfaction, don't you, buddy? Man, God's plan. It's awesome. Have you ever thought to yourself, you know, what, what am I really supposed to be doing with my life? However long I get to live, 60, 70, 80, 90 years, what, what am I supposed to do? Why am I here? Have you ever wondered that? You know what? I don't think that's just a one-time question we ask because we come to different chapters in our life's book and we have to reevaluate it. Okay, after retirement, why am I still here? When we turn into an old person, <laughs> a prime timer, you know, why am I still around? What is it that God wants me to do? Well, I want to share that with you right now. Now, a couple of things. Number one, I believe that God has a specific will for your life, a specific thing that only you can do. Okay? God has something that only you can do. And I am keenly aware from reading this book that if you don't do what God made you to do, that job's just not going to get done. If you don't believe me, read the book of Jonah. Nobody else could have gone and preached to the Ninevites, spoken to them except Jonah. God has something specific for you. And part of your life's purpose is to figure out what is it that God wants me to do. You know what? I can't tell you that. Your parents can't tell you that. Your spouse can't tell you that. That's something between you and God. Now, other people can give you guidance and they can say, you know what, I think you're good at this or I think God might be using you for this. But this is something between you and God. And you must find that out. The only way you're going to have satisfaction and significance in life is by figuring that out and doing that. Okay? But that's individually. That's not what I'm talking about right now. What I'm talking about, generally speaking, God has four things for every one of us in this room to do. Four reasons for you being here. Number one, God is saying to you, I want you to get to know me, not know just about me. Okay? In other words, all of us know something about Jesus. All of us in this room know something about God. But God said, I put you on planet earth for more than that. I don't want you to know just about me. I want you to know me personally. So what he's talking about is a personal relationship. God is saying, I want you to have a relationship with me. Not just a religion. I want you to have a relationship with me. That is, my friend, God's will for your life. That you accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior and you have a relationship with him. Number two, God says, I want you to know and discover and fulfill the purpose that I have put you on earth for. I want you to understand my good, acceptable, and perfect will. You were put here for a unique purpose, and that's what I want you to do. I've got something specific for you to do, and that's what we all should be doing. Number three, he says, I want you to develop your talents and skills and abilities that I've given you 
so that you can build your character into a godly individual because that's the only thing you're going to take into eternity. And so what I'm saying in this one, folks, is this. Every day we need to live our life for Jesus. You want to know what God's will for your life is? It's this. Every day you get into His Word and find out what He wants you to do and how He wants you to live, and you flesh it out. You live it. We, we, what we call this is sanctification. That's the theological term for it. It's called progressive sanctification, that I become just like Jesus Christ. And today I am to be more like Jesus than I was yesterday. I am to grow in my relationship with him, grow in grace and knowledge. That means tomorrow I need to be more like Jesus than I am today. You not only talk the talk, but you're walking the walk. You're fleshing it out. God is saying, that's what I want from your life. And then number four, which goes along with that, I want you to tell other people about me. That's God's will for your life. He has called you to be his ambassador. That is, you have been given the privilege of taking the good news of the gospel into your neighborhood, your school, your workplace, and to tell other people about Jesus Christ. Now, get this. Can you imagine? Can you imagine when that day comes and you stand before God, that there you are standing before the throne of the universe, the king who is on the throne, and you're not being ready for that? Now, some of us die young, some people die old, but the fact is all of us are going to die, right? I mean, we're all going to die. Only a fool would go all the way through life unprepared for what they know is eventually going to happen to them. Jesus said, I came at Christmas time to help you get ready so that when that final exam comes, you don't flunk it, but you pass. A lot of our kids are going into final exams. i got a girl still at Baylor. She's, she's going to come home Monday after she takes her final in, in chemistry, isn't it? In chemistry. She's been studying and preparing. She's known this test is coming. She's been working hard for You know, what if she just laid around all semester down there in Waco, Texas, drinking cafe lattes or mocha toca pocas or whatever they are and just, just goofing off and not studying, not preparing. She'd go into that exam room tomorrow and she would flunk because she wouldn't be ready. Now, why would, you, why, would you do, why would you spend all that money to go to school and then not be prepared for the test? Can you imagine standing before God not being ready to meet him? Can you imagine standing before God after you die and God says, okay, I got two questions for you. Number one, what did you do with my son Jesus Christ? My gift to you. What did you do with Jesus? Did you accept him as your Lord and Savior? Did you make him the Lord of your life? And number two, what did you do with all the stuff I gave you? What did you do with that good, acceptable, and perfect will that I gave you to live out and flesh out? What did you do with that? Can, can you imagine saying back to God, God, you know, you know, I know this sounds kind of funny, but... Really, Lord, I was too busy. I mean, I knew about Jesus and I knew about you, but, but I never took enough time to develop that relationship with you and get to know you. I was just so busy. I, I know that you had a purpose and plan for my life, but I like my plan better than your plan. God's going to say, 
If you say that back to God, God's going to say, what? Wrong answers. Now, guys, follow me here. If that happens to you, it's going to be more than just a big embarrassment. Because that has eternal implications. That's why Christmas is so important. God says, I love you so much that I came to earth so that you can know me and have a relationship with me. So that you can know I have a purpose for your life. And know that my purpose for your life is bigger and better. And yeah, it's harder, but it's much more rewarding than whatever purpose you have for your own life. And I'm just asking you to say yes to me. I'm going to end my sermon with with what Mary said back to the angel. It's found in Luke chapter 1 verse 38. Then Mary said, after she got all this, she said, Let it be to me according to your word. In other words, she said, God, not my will, but your will. Can you say that today? Heavenly Father, I pray that you would be with each person in this room. Lord, there's some people in here who have never accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And I pray that today they would come to the altar and allow us the privilege of leading them to faith in you. Lord, if there is a believer here that's just struggling in their walk with you, they've not fully committed everything to you, I pray, dear Lord, that they would do that today. That they would understand that your plan for their life is good, acceptable, and perfect And that they would be willing to say yes to you. Lord, help all of us to come to the altar today and just lay our life out as a living sacrifice to you. And like Mary, may we say to you, Lord, take me and use me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask that you stand with heads bowed and eyes closed. Praise team is going to sing. Our altars are open. and, And I encourage.